Hi everyone, this is Shelby Johnson and welcome to episode two of season one of An Engineer's Journey. We have a really great interview today, so let's go ahead and just jump right into it. I am so excited. Hello everyone and welcome back to the pod. If you're new here, my name is Shelby Johnson. I am an incoming PhD student in chemical engineering at MIT and I'm starting this podcast just to help give the world more exposure to what engineering is, showing my journey transparently um, to a PhD and also interviewing people, engineers I know in the field to help others get a better understanding of what engineering looks like on a day-to-day basis. I am super excited about the episode today because it is our first interview episode. I'll be interviewing someone very special to me. Um, He's a young black engineer in the field and he has a lot of great things to say. But before I go into a quick bio for him and then the interview, don't forget that I have a blog and an Instagram page. So go ahead and follow me on Instagram at an engineer's journey. Um, Also go find my blog. The website will be linked in the podcast notes. And also, if you're really interested in following my journey to the PhD specifically, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Shelby Johnson. Um, It's kind of my academic Twitter account, so I'll just be sharing updates as I go along my little journey to the PhD um, and retweeting things I find interesting, etc. So go ahead and follow me on those platforms. But without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest. Today, I will be interviewing Gregory Roper on the podcast. Gregory is a distribution engineer at Georgia Power Company in Atlanta, Georgia. Before his current role, he served as a substation integration and automation engineer, a global supply chain intern, and an IT network engineer. He graduated with a bachelor's in applied mathematics from Oakwood University, which is an HBCU in Huntsville, Alabama, and a BS in electrical engineering from University of Alabama in Huntsville through a dual degree program. He is currently working on his MBA at Mercer University, and he also happens to be my big cousin. Please welcome Gregory to the pod. Hello, Gregory. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Shelby. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm excited you're here. So we'll go ahead and jump right into the interview. So first question, just tell me a little bit about your background. Where are you from? What was your childhood like? How did you end up being inspired to be an engineer? Okay. Um, So um, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, born and raised. Um, I think this is the best city in the world. And I've (laughs) been, um, uh, I've traveled quite a bit. Um, I love other cities, but Atlanta is the place to be. Um, my childhood, um, I grew up in a family of four, mother, father, um, and my little sister. My grandmother lived with us for um, a good portion of that time as well. I have a lot of friends who I saw on a regular basis. And what I mean by that, I mean, I saw those same friends at school. I saw those same friends at church. I saw those same friends at for weekend activities during the summer and a lot of us went to the same college um, and a lot of us still talk to each other till this day so i grew up around um, a very very large i would say village um if that makes any sense for Mm -hmm. lack of a better term so 
um, a large support group and a lot of the same people, but kind of just a lot of the same faces doing the same thing every day. And it was kind of cool. So that's kind of how, what my childhood was, um, was like growing up. Very nice. Thanks for sharing. So then tell me about your college experience. You just mentioned that you went to school with many of the same people. Mm -hmm. Where did you go? I know you got two degrees. Yeah. Yeah, so I attended Oakwood University, which is, which is a small HBCU in Huntsville, Alabama. I also attended the University of Alabama in Huntsville. Um, I did a dual, a dual degree program there, so it's a five-year program. I did it in five and a half. I was there for six years. If you're really counting the amount of time I was there, and I'll go more into that, but um, that's kind of where I went. It's in Huntsville, Alabama, completely different from Atlanta. Um, and I did get two degrees, yes. Um, so there was a reason behind that that wasn't necessarily strategic, that wasn't necessarily intentional. It just kind of came along with kind of what was offered to me. At the time, I was kind of at a crossroads um, when I was graduating high school. Um, if you know me, um, and this still is the same, my mind goes in a million different places. I have so many different things that I'm interested in. Uh, it's, you know, one day it's math, one day it's music, one day it's engineering, most days it's all at the same time. And that's kind of where I was at in college. Um, I also was bitten by the journalism bug, so I kind of wanted to write and do all of that. There were just so many things I wanted to do. So I had to think, what is a place that um, I can go and kind of cultivate all of those, um, all those experience or all those interests, interests rather, and um, Oakwood University was the place to be. One because it was an HBCU. I really wanted to go to a historically black college or university. My father went to Howard University. My mother went to a school in um, Florida, but she was very close to FAMU and always on their campus. So I was heavily influenced um, by the you know HBCU culture and mom just having you know two parents that were um, alum or close to HBCU. So I wanted to go to Oakwood. Oakwood is also very, very, um, uh, or Oakwood has a very, very big, I won't say big, but um, just a good music scene. The standard of music there is very high, and I knew probably sometime in high school that that's someplace that I wanted to go. Um, but I also wanted to be an engineer, so I was like, how can I do music and engineering at the same time? Uh, and I knew that Oakwood had a 3-2 program or a dual enrollment program. I wasn't necessarily looking at University of Alabama in Huntsville, but I mean, that's the school that they had the partnership with. And I was like, cool, that's what I'll do. Um, and I saw that they had a newspaper club and, you know, just a bunch of different extracurricular activities that would allow me to do all the things that I wanted to do. So Oakwood was kind of just the place to be. And uh, that's why I um, particularly chose Oakwood. Cool. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that how you were going between different yeah. really majors and schools yeah. just because this season is focusing a lot yeah. on like how to choose yeah. that major, how to choose the career. Yeah. So that's very helpful because I know it can sometimes be difficult right. at this age choosing what major you want to focus mm -hmm. on. Um, so next question, what was the most difficult part of your college experience? So the most difficult part of my college experience was probably school, the curriculum, engineering school. Um, I'll take a step back. Maybe I'll tell you why I chose engineering. Um, so my father was an engineer. He uh, was an electrical engineer. And when I went to college, I didn't necessarily want to um, or know what type of engineering I wanted to, you know, pursue. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just said, okay, well, I know I want to be an engineer. Like, I, I know that for a fact. I, I, I like solving problems. I like, you know, finding solutions to, you know, other people's solutions. I like designing things. Uh, this is the way I think, I can't think of any other career that would suit me better than engineering. So I knew that was what I wanted to do. So then when I was at Oakwood, 
or in Huntsville, rather. I looked at all the curriculum at University of Alabama Huntsville. I saw industrial engineering, mechanical engineering, electrical, civil, chemistry, um, what have you. And I said, which one fits me the best? And electrical seemed to fit me the best in terms of its um, it, its wide or its broadness. And knowing the way I think, I know one day I might want to do this, one day I might want to do that. And electrical engineering offer me that broad spectrum to do so many different things. So uh, that's why I chose electrical electrical engineering also because my father, you know, he was an electrical engineer as well. So that made it easy for me to kind of make that decision as well. Um, but I would say one of the most difficult parts kind of to tie back to that, not only was it the curriculum, but for some reason, even though my father was an electrical engineer, I didn't know what an engineer did, mm -hmm. especially an electrical engineer. Um, even while I was in my classes, I remember my first class was called um, Analytical Methods for Continuous Time Linear Systems. Mm. Had no idea what that was. That was literally <laughs> my first engineering course. Wow. And I'm like, what in the world is this? I was literally, because I was an applied math major, mm -hmm. I knew how to follow steps. Mm. So I didn't know theoretically why I was doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I was just passing classes. Don't ask me what it meant. Don't ask me how this was going to affect me in the future. I was just doing it. Um, it wasn't until probably my last year in engineering that I realized, okay, this is how these classes apply to real life and choosing a job and things of that nature. And that is really what um, was difficult for me because I was taking classes without knowing why, you know, why am I learning how to wire, um, you know, circuit board? Why am I learning uh, digital logic? How could I use this in my future? I don't know, but I'm going to get a degree and hopefully one day I'll be at a career fair and say, hey, would you hire me? I mean... <laughs> It worked, but I mean, that's 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 that was very um, difficult for me. I had peers mm -hmm. who knew exactly why they were doing what they were doing, and it just made so much more sense to them and made it harder for me and some of my peers to grasp, you know, the concepts because we were just doing what we were told with no no end in you know end in sight or no no goal in sight rather. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool, thanks. And then on the other hand of that, or the other side of that. What do you think was the best part of your college experience? Okay, um, so uh, on the other side of Huntsville, and when I say the other side of Huntsville, Huntsville's very small, so <laughs> really just about two miles down the road <laughs> at Oakwood University, um, the music scene was very big for me. That was kind of my outlet. That kind of was my escape from all of the hard classes. Um, I was in a um, traveling choir called the, universe, called the Aeolians of Oakwood University. And in the Aeolians, we were traveling just about every weekend across the country, sometimes around the world, um, overseas, just doing things. And this was all while I was taking classes, both applied mathematics classes, um, engineering classes, and I even had a brief stint as a music minor. So mm -hmm. I was doing all of that while traveling. And while that seemed so hectic, it was just a great, um, just a great outlet and a great escape from you know what I was doing and being in the Aeolians and just um, traveling the world, singing with some of the best people in the world and just making music together. That was probably my best experience. Had it not been for the Aeolians um, and you know also my friends at Oakwood University specifically, I probably would have dipped out of electrical engineering really fast. Mm. I probably would not have made it, but you know um, that's probably one of the um, one of my best experiences while being in college. Yeah, and y'all actually won the world competition, right? Yep. Choir competition? Yep, so we won the Choir of the World competition in 2018. Mm -hmm. So we were the um, Choir of the World um, for that year. Uh, and that was a huge, huge thing, being able to win the Pavarotti uh, trophy. That was um, <laughs> something that most people don't 
believe that believe it or not we didn't think we could do it mm-hmm. and when we we did it we were just, just our jaws were all dropped we were just like this is crazy um just huge accomplishment so proud of that very amazing that's a really cool ex- experience so to all y'all listening definitely get involved in things outside of your schoolwork and Absolutely. college it's the only way to really make it through okay so let's skip a little bit now past your college experience what company do you work for now and in what roles have you served for that right. company so i following college i got um, a few job offers um some of them were good some of them were great um i chose to come back to atlanta out of all of my um experience or out of all of my um offers why not come back home right mm-hmm. so that was an easy decision and I got the call from Southern Company, um, which is the parent company to Georgia Power, Alabama Power, um, Mississippi Power, and you know so many other um, subsidiary companies. And um, I worked at Southern Company specifically um, as an engineer in what's called the Substation Integration and Automation Group. We deal with SCADA systems and um, pretty much communication between the substation and the control center um, and just keeping the power on and improving reliability um, for, you know, the um, customers of both Georgia and Alabama Power. Um, I'm currently working for Georgia Power, still a Southern company, but I'm specifically for Georgia Power, and I'm a distribution engineer. And as a distribution engineer, we design how power gets to our commercial, industrial, and residential customers, and we're also the front lines um, when power goes out. So before I said I was keeping the lights on, but now literally I'm keeping the lights on. (laughs) My work phone is right next to me and I'm looking at it to just to make sure there's no outages. That's my life. So, yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about what the day-to-day looks like on the job. Great. Okay, so as a distribution engineer, um, I would probably say it's one of the more demanding roles in mm-hmm. the entire company. Um, it's a, cust- a customer-facing role. So my day consists of keeping my customers happy, um, talking to builders and project managers and trying to make sure that our power is installed as they're building, you know, large townhome complexes or uh, commercial grocery stores, commercial buildings, things of that nature. So I wake up every morning, believe it or not, I'm not a morning person, but I have to get up around 5, 530. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because I have to engineer projects and do what I can do before everybody wakes up. Because once 7 o'clock hits, I'm getting calls and emails mm. all day. And... um they're asking me to email or I'm sorry, they're asking me to you know get their projects done. Uh, at the same time, I have customers calling about outages and I have meetings to attend um, site visits. I actually it's more of a field role. So I have a company truck. So I go out to job sites. Um, a lot of it is designing and looking at an empty lot and having to figure out, OK, so you're doing this, you're doing this. Is this going to be safe for, you know, you know, the public is going to be safe for our linemen as they mm-hmm. install this. Um, does this fall within, you know, our specs with Georgia Power? Uh, is this, you know, um, cost effective for you, both cost effective for the company? All of those things. Um, is this reliable? So I'm kind of trying to make the customer happy while I'm trying to satisfy our linemen and watching out mm-hmm. for their safety. Also, um, trying to make sure that we're not breaking the bank with, you know, our designs. So it's it's kind of getting pulled in multiple directions and you you wake up with a game plan and say okay i'm going to get this done and this that and the third and none of it gets done (laughs) um a plan is great but it never it never comes to fruition so that's um that's kind of what a day in the life is like very cool thanks for sharing that 
Um, so another question, how did you get your job? You mentioned you had multiple job offers. Mm -hmm. What does that typically look like as an engineering student? Yeah, so um, I would say first of all, so for me, I wasn't what I would call a rock star student. I mean, I had an above 3.0 GPA. It might have been like a 3.1 if we're being honest, like um, not too far from it. So I wasn't like engineering specifically. My engineering degree was not my best academically. So I wasn't just like walking up to people and just showing them how smart I was. <laughs> my thing was I just wanted to let them know, hey, look, I can get the job done. Um, I'm easy to work with. I like working with people. Um, and that was the way that I felt I was going to get a job. So um, for me, just applying online and doing that, it didn't work in my favor to be able to do that um, because I just didn't feel like my academics was, you know, be the only thing that could, you know, I, I could show for. So I joined the National Society of Black Engineers, um, NSBE, and NSBE has a great career fair. And every year I would go to um, the national convention. I would go to fall regional convention. Um, I was a leader in NSBE, so I was also going to regional leadership conventions. I was going to as many conventions as possible to network and to um, meet people from different companies. And I was just going up to the people and just saying, hey, look, you know, this is what I can do. This is how I can offer, um, you know, this is how I can be of value to your team. And um, I remember my last trip to Nesby, um, every year I just couldn't seem to get um, internships because as a 3-2 program, you kind of start the engineering program late. So a lot of companies are like, so what experience have you had? You're a junior now. What if you, what, what internships have you had? And you're like, well, I was a math student for three years, so I don't have any engineering um, experience. So like, okay, so what engineering classes have you taken? And you're like, well, I've taken all my math classes, but I haven't taken any engineering courses. So they're kind of like, well, we need somebody who has either experience, you know, um, work experience or some curriculum experience. And I'm like, I just can't offer that to you. So it was very, very hard for me to kind of sell myself. Um, I did get some internships here and there, but my very, very last year, I remember going to Nets be like, look, if I don't get a job here, I don't know where I'm, when and how I'm ever going to get a job. Mm -hmm. So I applied to, I forgot what it was called. It allows you, um, the Nesby website allows you to kind of start applying to jobs before you even get, you know, get on site. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I got there, I remember I had about six or seven interviews lined up already. Um, and by the time I left, I remember I interviewed, I had 10 interviews over mm -hmm. like a two day period. Wow. Like all day I was just interviewing. It was crazy. Um, and one company that I did not have lined up before I got there was Southern Company. I just mm -hmm. said, you know what, I have a few minutes. Let me go to the career fair and see what that's about. Mm -hmm. So I got to the career fair, saw some people that I had networked with before and said, hey, look, um, I took a power course. I didn't like the teacher. Um, we all dropped it because <laughs> we said if we take this class, we're all going to fail. But I'll tell you one thing. This was the first class where I looked at the curriculum and I understood it. I mm -hmm. feel like I can read the book start to finish. It makes so much sense. It's tangible. I want to be a part of what you guys are doing at Southern Company. Mm -hmm. um, I sat down in an interview, and at that time, I'm telling you, I was very unorthodox in the way that um, I was interviewing, and I would <laughs> recommend this for every student. I went in there with my iPad, and not only was I telling them, hey, this is what I've done, and not only was I answering their questions, but I was saying, hey, do you have a moment for me to show you kind of um, some extra things that I've done? Mm -hmm. And I showed them class projects. Mm -hmm. I showed them current projects, future projects, um, and kind of what I did and how I did that, what my passions were, 
And a lot of my projects were geared to music. A lot of my projects were geared to just very abstract things that were also related to engineering. Mm -hmm. And um, that allowed them to kind of hear me speak um, and um, kind of get allow them to see my thought process. And I gave them more than what they expected in an interview. Mm -hmm. And um, Southern Company called me and, you know, I, I they told me exactly that, you know, having that, what I call my portfolios, mm -hmm. would allow them to, you know, want to, you know, take a bet on me, take a risk on me. So um, that's how I got my job at Southern Company. Mm -hmm. And um, I definitely recommend students going in with a portfolio or some type of um, way of showing who, you know, showing who they are as opposed to not just, you know, answering interview questions, but, you know, just showing your personality, your raw personality. That's what people want to see in interviews. So that's kind of the um, game plan that I went with. Yeah, and I want to just pause here real quick to say that that is so true. I feel like a lot of students who maybe haven't started an engineering school yet or yeah. even are there, they might think that it's too hard for them or yeah. if they, like, in the beginning start failing classes yeah. or aren't doing their best, like yeah. maybe they're getting A's in high yeah. school and aren't getting that in college, yeah. they feel like they're not going to get a job. Yeah or they won't do well in the job. Yeah. But like the theory that you're learning in school, a lot of times that's significantly harder than anything yeah. you'll do on the day-to-day -day of the job. So the companies aren't necessarily looking for a perfect GPA. Like right. they want to see charisma. They right. want to see you can work with others. Right. So don't let that like turn you off from engineering because yeah. you right. can probably still right. do a whole lot. I'm going to echo exactly what you said. I mean, you just said it and I'm going to say it again. But for, so for me, I was an A student for most of the time mm -hmm. from elementary school on through high school maybe some b you know years and stuff like that um college i was just about you know a maybe 3.75 3.8 student all the way through oakwood once i got to uah and mm -hmm. took engineering school and i got my first couple c's i was ready to cry i was mm -hmm. ready to be done with it and after a while i was like look man i just gotta get out of here and y'all know the term c's get degrees mm -hmm. look i was out <laughs> here getting c i was like yo i cannot imagine me getting a c and being okay with it no but um, I had friends who were making A's, couldn't get a job, mm -hmm. right? And um, now being in, in a professional role and being on the other side of the interview table interviewing students, I'm telling you, companies, just like you said, GPA is great, but a GPA is not going to tell you if they can do it, tell them if, they, if you, know, you can do the job. Mm -hmm. You got to go in there and have some experience and you know, if you go in there, really, all you really you just want to aim for a 3.0. A lot of companies have you know hard policies on hiring students with 3.0 and higher, some mm -hmm. 2.8 or whatever. But mm -hmm. aim for a 3.0 and higher, you will definitely get a solid job. I mean, if you're trying to go for your Googles, your Microsofts, and things of that nature, you might want to kind of set the bar a little bit higher. But generally, mm -hmm. a 3.0 will get you a job. Focus more on just getting through your classes, mm -hmm. but focus. Well, focus on getting through your classes, but focus more on getting experiences and being able to say, this is what I've done and this is how I can add value to your company when you're in, when you're in interviews. Because mm -hmm. that 4.0 ain't going to do it. Yeah. yeah. No, that's so true. The people I, I've known at tech who have struggled getting jobs, it was not people with bad grades. Like yeah. Actually, all the people I know who did have bad grades, yeah. um, even some of them a little bit below 3.0, like you yeah. said, they all had internships freshman or sophomore year. Yeah. Um, the people I know who have struggled, it was people who had good grades but didn't have anything else to show for yeah. it on the resume yeah. or maybe just didn't have the experience talking with people in that right. way. Like you right. might not, it might not come naturally if you're an introvert, but you can practice mm -hmm. and they probably did not. Right. Don't get me wrong, y'all. Try to get that 4.0 if you can, but don't, <laughs> you know, don't, don't break your neck trying to do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. What are some tips that you can give students about working in industry? 
Yeah. Um, so I actually do a uh, or lead a panel discussion on, I think I call it the classroom to the cubicle. That's what hmm. we called it last. Um, so some tips that I can give you. Um, the professional space is different than school. Uh, I'm not sure where everybody, you know, went to school. But for me, I, at UAH in particularly, I uh, went to school with people who were mid-career, um, people who want to go back to school, people who left the army. Um, and that helps me because when you go to when you go to the um, to the workforce, you're not going to be working with 18 year old, 20 mm. year olds. I mean, you will, but you're going to be working with people from a you know wide range of ages. Mm. Um, and being able to uh, coexist with them can be very difficult. You might have the urge to say Mister and Mrs. I mean, mm. that's cool, but I mean at the same time, you you're on a professional level now. You know, it's Jim, it's you know, it's Regina, it's it's you know, Jason. Um, it's not Mr. Smith. Uh, I think it's also important that you go into your first role and just try to understand uh, what your specific role is and try to be the best at it. That doesn't mean you have to be a wizard at it. Do your very best and also tend, spend time learning the business of the company, learning how the business operates, how your organization is set up, learning who your leaders are. Um, that kind of gets uh, helps you do your job better because you figure out kind of how important your role is and where you fall kind of on the totem pole, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. um, and kind of gives you a bigger picture of why we, what you're doing and how that um, can be a value to the company. Mm -hmm. um, also, um, I lost my train of thought there. Um, but yeah, definitely spending time um, learning your role, but also looking kind of at what other people are doing in your mm -hmm. company. Also looking at um, setting goals for yourself. Where do you want to be in your company? Setting five-year, 10-year, um, even 15-year goals and aligning that with you know your personal life and kind of making the moves to get to where you want to be, um, but just kind of at the same time focusing at doing a great job of what you know, you're know you asked to do first, mm -hmm. so yeah. Yeah, I want to like reiterate what you said about the adjusting to working with people who are like older mm -hmm. than you. Mm -hmm. I remember my first internship, I was 18 when I started. I turned 19 halfway through, and I called everyone Miss and Mister. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was just so funny because they'd be talking about like their kids who were like right, my age. Right, and right. I'm like, my mom's probably at work talking right. to her coworkers like right. this about me. So it can be a really weird adjustment Absolutely. if you're only used to, and I was someone like both me and my sister, mm -hmm. we talked to adults a mm -hmm. lot. We've never mm -hmm. had trouble with that. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine someone who's not mm -hmm. used to that going into that environment because mm -hmm. it's already a little bit awkward, even right. if you do have that experience. Right. So like, yeah, it's definitely beneficial for you to like, even if it's just going to your professor's office hours, like right. learning how to connect with someone older than mm -hmm. you in a very That's personable true. way can really help you mm -hmm. succeed in the job. That's true. That's true. Also, rely on people who are coming in with you at the same time. Mm -hmm. See if you can kind of make your own cohort. If your company, your company might actually do that already, mm -hmm. like for you. If not, do that yourself. You see somebody else your age. Hey, how long have you been here? Oh, a year. Okay, cool. Let's go grab coffee. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Um, you know, let's go grab lunch. And you just build a little network. I remember when I first joined, and we still have it. We have a group called um, Southern Company Rookies. <laughs> and then I had so many other subgroups just like that. 
and we would hang around and say, hey, so what are you doing in your organization? Okay, um, let's talk about what's happening in the business. We call it being a student of the business. Mm. Um, do that with people your age or not necessarily, not always just your age, but people who are in the same, um, well, yes, your age, that is important, but also people who are at the same um step or same you know step in their career so mm-hmm. you might have a mid-career hire but they just start at the company mm-hmm. well you guys are both new mm-hmm. right so connect with them as well and learn with them i think there's value when multiple people are learning together mm-hmm. um so kind of create that support group um as you go through and you'll be amazed um two three four five years later you guys are applying for leadership positions mm-hmm. and now your leadership peers are those same peers that you started with and that also add value, not just to kind of what you do, but also to the company. So, yeah. Yeah, I I keep re- reiterating everything. But to that point, once again, my first internship, there are some people at the internship who always like, you know, try to like schmooze with like the mm-hmm. higher ups. And like, that's important to definitely network. Mm-hmm. But don't forget about mm-hmm. the people your age or Absolutely. even just like a few years older than you in the company, because mm-hmm. they're going to be the ones who are mm-hmm. actually ahead of you and mm-hmm. like probably your manager mm-hmm. when you come in. Mm-hmm. So if you only know the higher ups, that's great and all mm-hmm. for networking and learning. But mm-hmm. the people who are going to like affect you on the day to day are going to be the people a little bit closer to your own age. That's true. That's true. But you did also mention a good point. Mentorship mm-hmm. is important. Um, always be seeking mentors. I have so many mentors mm-hmm. in the company. It's 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 almost ridiculous. But each and every one of those um, people um, have helped me in a tremendous amount of ways. And at the same time, whenever you grab a mentor, make sure you um, pick up a mentee Mm. and, you know, you be the gift that, you know, keeps on giving because somebody needs that. Um, You don't always have to wait for somebody to ask you Mm. to, hey, can you be my mentor? You see something in somebody, you go out and say, hey, let's do lunch. Hey, um, talk to me about where you want to be in your career. What's your thought process? Why did you come here and things of that nature now? they have somebody somebody that they can trust Mm -hmm. how does that help you well later on you might be a leader Mm -hmm. and that might be literally part of you know your your job description Mm -hmm. cultivating others and kind of helping people get to the next step so um yeah do that that's very very important yeah so i have a follow-up question on that actually how did you get your mentors at the company or even outside the company like how would you recommend going about cultivating those relationships First of all, every person you report to should be your mentor. Hmm. Um, everybody you report to may not be may not have your best interest in mind. So, of hmm. course, be careful of that. But uh, you have somebody right there who's literally, like I said, their job description is to kind of help you get, you know, to the next step. Hmm. So that one is, you know, uh, one of your mentors. My company has um, employee, what's called employee resource groups, mm-hmm. and they are groups not necessarily exclusively for, but support groups um, for sp- particular people and also groups that serve as education for those who may not be part of, you know, a specific, a specific demographic. For mm-hmm. instance, uh, there is an ERG for the LGBT community. There is a um, ERG or empl- employee resource group for women there's an employee resource group for um family life you know outside of work you know life work life balance military veterans um people who are new to the company one to five years i mean i can go on and on african-american erg um and in those groups there's a bunch of networking opportunities and there you can find i don't want to say safe spaces as if the whole company is not a safe space but Mm -hmm people um, that you can definitely relate to from a cultural standpoint and um, kind of talk to them and see where they're at. And they will have usually more of a um, 
natural um, inclination to want to reach out to you and pour into you. Mm -hmm. So that's one way to pick up mentors. Um, Another way to pick up mentors is to be bold. Mm -hmm. Just to be bold. You see, learn who your your vice president is. Learn Mm -hmm. who your manager is. Don't be afraid to walk into their office. Um, Of course, kind of read the room. If they're not that type of leader, you might want to get with their assistant Mm -hmm. or something like that. But don't be afraid to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of leaders like that because mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of people that are bold enough to do that. So um, that's another way to get mentors. And when you get mentors um, or when you seek a mentor, that person might not be your mentor, but mm-hmm. they might say, hey, I know who can help you with this. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten, they get you in touch with somebody else, somebody that you never expect to get in touch with. Mm-hmm. And um, the mentorship web or chain just kind of keeps on growing from there. Yeah, that's good advice. Thanks for that. Okay, another question. You mentioned Nesby a few times. I can't remember if we said what that is, but National Society mm-hmm. of Black Engineers. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved in college and how are you involved now? Yeah, great question. So I got to college and um, there was a group called you know, the National Society of Black Engineers, but also I'm a math club. And for whatever reason, I just thought that they were kind of one and the same. The math club was great, don't get me wrong, but I thought Nesby was also just a campus-wide um or campus-based group had mm-hmm. no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, there is Nesby Junior for mm-hmm. high school students. There's um, um, or the pre-college initiative for Nesby. I had no idea what that was mm-hmm. when I was in high school. So this was my first, you know, uh, introduction to Nesby, and I kind of tr- treated it seriously, kind of didn't. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was another club. Then there was a national convention in Nashville, which might have been in 2013, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And um, I was blown away. Like, mm-hmm. there were so many people that looked like me that had the same goals of mine to be an engineer. So many different companies. Google was there, mm-hmm. Amazon was there, Facebook, mm-hmm. um, P&G, Johnson & Johnson, Southern Company. I was like, oh my goodness, what in the world is this? I had mm-hmm. no idea this existed. Um, and I just started networking and learning kind of what Nesby was about, learning that Nesby is um, allegedly the largest student-ran organization mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I want to learn more about this. So I came back to my campus and I was like, guys, like Nesby is much bigger than like these <laughs> four walls. Like we got to make like, this is huge. Mm-hmm. So I got into leadership. Um, I became a senator for Nesby mm-hmm. and I learned that as a senator for Nesby, you are kind of the voice for your chapter and you kind of vote on big matters that affect, you know, the, the whole the whole organization. And these are students. Mm-hmm. This is not just like, you know professors running things there's students that are like um you know just really into you know creating an atmosphere for black engineers to thrive mm-hmm. so i said okay this is great and from being a senator um led to being i think a parliamentarian and from being a parliamentarian led to being um the chapter president of oakwood university mm-hmm. um nesby chapter um and uh just my passion was getting more students a part of Nesby because mm-hmm. Nesby I knew was going to be their ticket to success and like career fair at, at school let's be real I mean it was it was good mm-hmm. career fair at Nesby mm-hmm. was different like the companies are out there because they know we need to increase our DE&I initiatives mm-hmm. so we're going to go to Nesby we're going to find some great brown and black engineers mm-hmm. and um, like you're literally in a space where companies are like hungry mm-hmm. to get you you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying and um, uh, that's how I got involved in Nesby. Uh, when I left 
uh, university and came, you know, to Atlanta. I joined the Atlanta Professionals um, chapter. Um, I will say I'm very, very swamped at work. I don't necessarily be, get to, you know, engage as much as I want with the NSB Professionals chapter. But what I do um, to stay engaged with the NSB is I actively um, do what I can to be involved in my company's NSB initiative. Mm-hmm. So every year when they go to conferences, I'm either there um, um, recruiting or I'm doing some of the front um, the front line work um, or, or the pre-work rather. Mm-hmm. I'm doing, um, as I said, the cubicle to the classroom to the cubicle um, uh, uh, panel discussion. Mm-hmm and things of that nature and helping the company as any way that I can, you know, to get students to Nesby uh, and mentoring students that come to the company from Nesby. So that's kind of how I'm, I'm still active. Okay. And another question. So you're back in school, right? So mm-hmm. you're working, but also back in school. So tell me a little bit about why you decided to go to night school, what the degrees you're working on. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I attend Mercer University. Um, I'm doing my master's in business administration AKA the MBA. I'm doing it with a finance um, concentration. I decided to get my MBA um, because it was a pretty, it's a pretty good tool to have um, on your tool belt. Uh, I wanted to be able to, one, offer more value to my company from a business standpoint and also be able to have some knowledge on if and when I wanted to do my own. You know personal business ventures um and i also uh just wanted to see of ways to potentially break into leadership um not just in my company but in just other facets of life uh, and the mba was kind of just the opportune time or the opportune um or it was the opportune time to do my mba and doing it at mercer um and in finance was great i also went around to you know some leaders in my company and kind of asked them said hey you know you know, at the, you know, right now, um, the company's paying for a portion of my degree. And um, I asked them, I said, hey, if the company's paying an X amount of, you know, my degree, out of all these concentrations, which one of these adds mm-hmm. more value to the company? Um, and a lot of them told me finance, and I completely understand why. I'm not saying that's what you have to do, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, whenever you're deciding on what you want to do, if what you're doing for school is career-driven, um, talk to some people in your company and see how that can be of value. Don't let that be, you know, why you make your decision, but just use that as information to kind of help inform, you know, your personal decision as far as what you want to do mm-hmm. and um, specifically what you want to concentrate in. So, yeah. Very cool. That's good to hear. Um, so we're getting to the end, but a couple more questions. Um, first, if you could do one thing to prepare yourself better for your job now, mm-hmm. whether when you were in college or pre-college, what would you do? Ooh, um, this is kind of some of the things that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, is teaching young students on the high school, middle school, um, even elementary level, what an engineer does uh, so that when I get to college or when I get to the workforce, I've been already preparing for that. I'm not, mm-hmm. it's not like a smack in the face. Oh, wow, you know, it's game time. Let me figure this out. Like mm-hmm. getting students to realize, hey, a field of engineering is a, a, is a reality. Like it is possible. And these are the steps you need to take. Um, for instance, uh, I know 
there is a need for African Americans or just minorities in general in the field of engineering. There is a greater need for women in the field of engineering, right? So not to stereotype and say that all women are into makeup, for instance, but let's just use that as an example, right? Um, you might have a young lady who is into makeup, uh, who's into cosmetics, and they want to do makeup as a career. You know, they want to do cosmetology as a career. But when not to say that's not a great field, my sister's in that field, great field, but did they know that they could be a chemist or somebody who makes those products? Mm-hmm. You go to the store and you might need a specific product, especially as, as an African-American woman, right? Mm-hmm. And you just can't find what you need for your skin type. You know, the African-American skin type, hair type, what have you is very mm-hmm. unique, right? Why not be the person that creates that mm-hmm. and be, and, and that could be an advocate for, you know, others, you know, like you, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize this is something you can do. Mm-hmm. Companies like, I'll just call them out, like P&G, mm-hmm. Johnson & Johnson, Unilever, all of these um, consumer good companies that make these products need people who represent, um, you know, their customers, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so going to middle school, high school and saying, hey, you like makeup? You can, there's a field of engineering for you. Mm-hmm. Hey, you like music? You like, you know, computer programming? Do both. Mm -hmm. Why not go and be an engineer for Yamaha or Korg or some, you know, music hardware company, and now you're a computer or software engineer and making, like, some crazy synthesizers or stuff Mm -hmm. like that? Never even thought about that, huh, Mm -hmm. right? Not saying that, you know, you couldn't be a musician or, you know, know, uh, or into makeup or anything like that, but a lot of students don't realize, hey, engineering doesn't have to be just behind a computer and doing math and stuff like that you can use it for your passions as mm-hmm. well so kind of getting students to match um, their passions to engineering perfect yeah that's really great and to your point yeah i know someone a girl in the chemical engineering department who's interning at l'oreal mm-hmm. this summer which is a mm-hmm. big makeup brand so there are so many brands out there and they're pretty much all recruiting these days mm-hmm. especially for internships all the big companies so there's definitely so much you can do to connect your passions to um whatever you want to do, especially in engineering, because engineering yeah. is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everything needs some kind of engineering. Everyone wants to improve their product. That's true. Um, so you can help out a lot in that way. So the last question is, and you've done a lot of this, you've already given so much great advice, so I'm so happy. Um, if there's one other piece of advice that you could give to engineering students, what would that be? kind of said it already, <laughs> but I've got to reiterate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, the, it's probably the most important thing don't give up uh classes are going to be difficult you're going to be wondering why am i doing this and in fact you might be thinking is this the field that i want to do if i have to struggle through all these classes like why do i even want to be an engineer i'm not going to do this for the rest of my life it's i promise you in most careers in most positions rather it's not like school at all like you'll get to your first day at at, at, at your job and they're going to teach you what they want to teach you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to train you on your first day. All that stuff you learn in school, it's not that it's, 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 it's for not. It's just it's not. It's not make it or break it in the industry. Mm-hmm. Don't look at your classes and say, oh, I'm taking differential equations. I can't I can't get a Laplace transform. You know, I'm doing, you know, you know, I'm 
trying to dig back into you know my my curriculum <laughs> you know um i'm doing calculus too man i can't you know uh integrate my parts like i can't get this <laughs> you know i haven't done any of that since college you know mm. i don't do that at all there's software that does stuff when you get to the field you're not going to act be asked to perform calculations they want you there to find solutions and mm. what you're doing in school it's helping train your helping to train your mind to do that. Trust me and believe me. Industry is so much cooler, so much funner than what you do in the classroom. So mm-hmm. don't give up. And there is money to be made out there. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Now I have some more advice. I mean, <laughs> you get your first offer. Don't just take what they're giving mm-hmm. you. Like, go on YouTube. Learn how to negotiate mm-hmm. your salary. Um, know your worth. Understand that if somebody says, hey, we're going to offer you X amount of money, if you say, hey, I want to get this much, they legally cannot take that role away from you simply mm-hmm. because you asked for more. Mm-hmm. They've already given you a written offer. You now have leverage to ask for more, and they may not give it to you. You might have to meet in between. Do some research on how to negotiate, mm-hmm. but don't sell yourself short. At the end of the day, you're there to make money. I mean, you really are. Let's be real, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want y'all to be, you know, chasing money, but <laughs> it's the reality. You have to, you know, do what's going to support you and your family if that's, you know, your choice um, to build a family or whatnot. But um, you have a duty to, you know, to be able to support yourself as well. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're making moves throughout your career that's going to set you up financially and you be able to give you the lifestyle that you want to live. Um, you're worth more. Um than probably what you even think from a monetary standpoint. Mm-hmm. I know y'all, y'all know y'all are worth a lot, but mm-hmm. uh, from a monetary standpoint, um, y'all are worth a lot. And um, these companies got money to give. Mm-hmm. So don't let them feel like, oh man, they're paying me all of this. <laughs> they're, what they're paying you is a drop in the bucket. You know, go get more. That is so true. Thank you so much, Gregory. This has been great. Such great advice. I hope this has helped all of y'all who are listening. Um, Be sure to share this with someone else, whoever you know who might be going through this right now, Mm -hmm. figuring out um, what they want to do in college, if they already are in college in engineering, they're struggling or don't know how to find a job, whatever. Share this information with someone else so you can help other people get jobs and to do well in the field. Um, Thanks, Gregory. No problem. Thank you for having me, Shelby. Of course.